Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Biblecast, a podcast ministry of Delaware Bible Church. Joining me for today's podcast is longtime DBC member and uh, doctor within our congregation, Dr. Matt Hintz. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Sure. Glad to be here. So as Matt joins us today, we're going to be talking about something, probably the one thing that has affected our church uh, the most from an outside perspective over the last year, and that's COVID-19. And so, Matt, as we come in here today, recently we have heard some good news regarding COVID here within our community. Um, recently, we've been able to talk to several congregants within our church body who either have gotten the first or both uh, doses of the vaccination. You just shared with me recently that you uh, received both doses of yours. I know my parents have as well. And we have been seeing some infection rates going down, but and we've been seeing many within our church and our school get the vaccination. I just uh, I know that this past Sunday, several within our school ministry received the vaccination. But I'd be interested as we begin uh, if you would be able to share with us just a general update regarding what's going on with the community uh, and the medical community regarding COVID nineteen. Uh, sure. Uh, well, yeah, I would echo, echo what you said about uh, some encouragement in the numbers. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people do look at these as well. But just the other day, I, I was looking and our uh, cases per day uh, in Ohio has decreased significantly. We were up around 7,000 at the peak, and wow. now it's around 2,000 new cases per day. So that's significantly better. Um, uh, the uh, average deaths per day is down significantly too. With a uh, the peak was 109 per day, and we're down to 36. Uh, so that's uh, very encouraging as well. And the average new hospitalizations is down pretty significantly from a high of 404 down to 134 hospital new hospitalizations per day. And then I looked just to see because I was curious about the uh, immunization numbers, and this is a nationwide statistic, but about 13% of the U.S. population now has had their first dose of vaccine. So mm-hmm. um, I was thinking you combine that with about 10% of the population who has had COVID, and in theory now you have near 25% of the population who has some or significant immunity so about one in every four or five people that you would walk by on the street now is, is now immune uh, and is not going to affect you if you don't currently have it. So, um, I, I you know, that's those are all encouraging signs. Mm-hmm. So with that, what are, uh, as, as you're dealing with COVID-19 in your local context here within Central Ohio, where you serve... What are, just from the day-to-day perspective and in general, a lot of the changes that you've had to make as a medical professional during this time? Uh, Well, I think the biggest thing personally, uh, me and I can probably speak for every other healthcare professional, uh, is just there have been so many changes in protocols, Mm -hmm. uh, things that we used to be able to do or that we did with patients, whether that was in an office setting or a hospital setting, um, have all changed. And that's created a lot of learning. It's created a lot of difficulty, even in kind of communication between patients and, and families and, uh, and healthcare providers. Uh, so, so that's been a big change. Um, 
a lot of learning. I mean, we, the medical field is constantly learning new things, but this has just kind of gone into hyperdrive with the amount of information that's out there, um, the the interest that patients have and the level of concern that they have for understanding the information and being able to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of a constant uh, thing to that is a pressure to try to understand the data that's out there. I know, you know, we, we've all talked about that, whether you're a medical person or not trying to interpret the information that's Mm -hmm. out there and what's true and what's right. And what should I, what should I believe? What treatment protocols work? What don't, um, that type of thing. So, so that's been a stress. Um, I don't want maybe stress isn't the right word, but I mean, that's been something that has been an added issue since uh, COVID started, um, I'd say, you know, when I was thinking about it and, and, and preparing, when I was thinking about the system as a whole, like how could I describe what's going on in the medical community as a whole or the medical system as a whole, some of the stresses on the system, which are improving now a little bit, which is good, but, you know, the big one was access to care. Mm-hmm. Um, how how full are the hospitals um, and then at the beginning and, and even so to some degree now, the non-COVID patients, what is their access to care and how can they get safe care? Uh, what should be done? What shouldn't be done? What is elective? Uh, what, what should be pushed back? What preventative care things can wait? You know, all of those have been kind of a challenge to work through. Um, one of the other things that Every organization has experienced, but I think healthcare maybe even more so a little bit just because of the exposure risk is staffing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the church experienced that at a point where there was Absolutely. either people yeah. who had COVID that had to be out or who were in quarantine. It's like, okay, how are we going to make this work? Yeah, people that I quarantine personally. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, you know, the challenge in the healthcare uh, line is that you have healthcare professionals who who are being required to work harder because of the amount of work that's out there but then in that pool of healthcare workers some of them are going to have to be at home either mm-hmm. because they have covid or because they are in quarantine because of exposure so that limits your pool of doctors nurses other allied medical professionals and then that makes other people have to work harder, which makes them more fatigued, which makes them more susceptible. And it was just kind of for a while, it just felt like it was a, a very difficult thing for a lot of hospital staffs, office, doctor's offices. There was a lot of stress to maintain those staff levels and, mm-hmm. and just personal health as well. So. so with that, then, we've seen a lot of changes within the medical community. Many, uh, as you mentioned, protocols, but some probably going to be good changes for the long run. Uh, I know, for example, some have mentioned being able to meet with their doctor digitally and and what an encouragement that's been to them and being able to meet that way. Uh, Have there been changes like that or others that you've seen, hey, these are really good things that are coming out of this? Well, yeah, I do think that that the one technology that has kind of been sped up or or pushed a little bit further as a result of COVID has been some of the digital technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's good and bad about that. 
there are certainly many visits that could happen by video visit. Um, and if that helps a patient not to have to come into the office, that works out well for them. It's a lot more convenient. Um, on the other hand, there are some things that you struggle to do without being able to put your hands on a patient and listen to them and um, touch them and understand what may be going on in their body. So, um, so it's been good and bad, mm -hmm. but I think largely good because I think there, there are a lot of things that we could do and maybe be able to stay in touch with patients better, mm -hmm. um, through other technologies other than just office visits and such. So if you're listening to the podcast, you may hear a few kids walking by right now, and that's because it's near the end of the school day as we record. So just uh, if you're wondering what those noises are, they're not Joy and Jade or anybody else coming by. It's uh, the kids from school there. So many of those who are listening uh, to our podcast are folks that have the opportunity to spend time in the medical community, either through personal relationships they have, doctor's visits, things such as that. And so as a belie as believers, obviously we want to share the love of Christ with everyone that we come around, but I think it's especially important that we do so for those serving on the front lines right now. So from the medical professional standpoint, are there things that you would say that we could do as believers to just really encourage those serving right now? Uh, sure. Well, the easy thing to mention or the thing to tick off right off the top would be to pray. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the majority of people are, are probably doing that. Um, maybe not always specifically for your doctor or for, for health professionals or such, but to the degree that you can remember to be praying for just physical strength. Um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of us, I guess I'll put myself in, in, the, in, in with everybody else, but um, are making a variety of sacrifices in, in, in different ways or, or are taking on specific risks that maybe other people wouldn't take. And those things affect your family and the decisions that you make with your family and what you're going to do. It even affects friendships and how how close you're going to be or how many people you're going to include in a close circle of friends um, when you may have increased exposure yourself. And so all of those things, you know, create stresses for uh, medical professionals. Um, and, you know, that prayer is something that's really important. And I would say beyond, I mean, praying, I'll tell you, I've had a number of patients and just a number of church members as well who have specifically just said to me, hey, I'm praying for you. I know that you're probably under a lot of stress and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And and that is really, really encouraging to just know. I mean, it's humbling sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's also encouraging to know that you're being prayed for and that people understand. Um, and, uh, you know, whether, whether you're a doctor or people that you know that are, in, that are medical professionals are saved or unsaved, I think everybody appreciates, and it's a great testimony to be able to tell, uh, to tell somebody, hey, I, I'm praying for you. Is there anything that I can be praying for you about? So just specifically having those conversations. I know I have done that 
a number of times with people in the hospital or, or people in the nursing home or, you know, the staff that I rub shoulders with. And I'll, I'll just tell them, boy, you must, you must be really having a hard day. Or I can tell that this is pretty tough for you. I'm praying for you. Or can mm -hmm. I pray for you? And, and I think that those are really, really good opportunities. And you're, you're allowed to do that. There's no. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I mm -hmm. think everybody, well, so here's the deal with prayer as okay. you, I mean, everybody, whether you're, whether you believe in prayer, you believe in God, you're saved, you're not saved. Everybody at moments of crisis prays. Sure. <laughs> or accepts prayer mm -hmm. as like, this is something that we yeah, should do. It's a benefit. It's yeah. nice. It's so, a compliment. Yeah. So whether or not somebody truly understands, uh, you know, what, what you're saying or that you, you have a personal relationship with a God who listens to your prayers and wants to hear your prayers or not, um, the just mentioning it, mm -hmm. I think, is encouraging and can open doors for Great. conversations. Yeah. That's neat. So I appreciate you sharing that. So previously at a communion service here at church, you shared about your family's decision uh, to come back and worship in person, which uh, has been a question that many have either asked or shared with me or others within the, uh, the elder board. Hey, we're just trying to figure out when that time's going to be for us, whether it be for a safety concern or uh, watching over someone that's especially at risk or that kind of a thing. Currently, we know that many are, are struggling with that and that we see, and it's really across the board within the church, within the universal church, we're seeing across the board about 45 to 55% of folks within the room each week and the rest streaming or watching online or that kind of a thing. So could you share uh, with us the thought process that you and your wife, Almeida, uh, went through in deciding when it was time for you to come back to church? Uh, sure. But if, you're, if we're all right time-wise, I'm mm -hmm. going to go back and, and answer a couple more things related okay. to things that we can do that could be an encouragement. And sure. then I'll, I'll circle back around to that. Okay. Um, so some of these things are certainly specific to the medical community, but I think that are they are also important in general, uh, just as we think through COVID and our responses to it and how, how to be an encouragement in general. Um, the One of the things I had written down was to listen more than talk. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a scriptural principle, right? Proverbs 1.5 says, a wise man will hear an increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. You know, James 1.19, but, every, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think there's been a lot of conversation around everybody having an opinion on COVID. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the result of that sometimes unintentionally can be very discouraging for people who are working on the front lines and working day to day trying to make people better. Uh, seeing success, but oftentimes seeing failure, mm -hmm. um, seeing people that they are, you know, get connected to and are trying to save that they aren't being saved and they're dying. And then to hear strong opinions about wh whether COVID's real or not, whether the numbers are real or not, whether, you know, whatever it might be, those things can be very, very discouraging. Um and I'm not telling people not to have their opinion. 
Um, but just understand that those opinions and how you voice those opinions do have an effect on other people and can have a tendency to be very discouraging. Um, another thing, just as a general observation again, would be not to jump to conclusions. So one of the things that I have heard, and I've, I'm guilty of from time to time as well, is this idea that there is an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to use the word the vast majority. I know that got Biden into trouble last week when he mentioned the vast majority of law enforcement. But I'll say the vast majority of medical professionals have no agenda other than trying to preserve life, trying to improve life, um, trying to prevent people from getting an illness that they may have serious complications from. And so, you know, jumping to conclusions about, well, somebody's just trying to take away my freedoms or my liberties or, um, you know, uh, the this is an attack on religious liberty or this, whatever it might be. Um, just, I would just encourage people to be very careful about mm-hmm. that because that can be an extremely discouraging thing too when you as a medical professional are trying to do everything that you can with the skills and talents that you have, with the information that you have to help people, um, and people are questioning your motives in doing that. Sure. Um, uh, another thing would be, and I, I'm afraid, I don't know, I may end up stepping on toes here, and I feel like maybe I can do that because I'm not part of the elder board pastoral staff. I'm just, so... We can the, just clip you <laughs> if, if it gets too crazy here. So, so here goes, the views and opinions expressed here do not repre- necessarily <laughs> represent those of Delaware Bible Church. Um, but uh, love your neighbor. I think, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I think we certainly can all agree to that. But the question is, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And in my, so this is my opinion. I think one of the ways we can love our neighbors is by following the rules, the guidelines that are in place. You don't have to like them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to even agree with them. But the, to the degree to which you follow them, it shows a care and concern for your neighbors around you whether they're brothers and sisters in Christ or whether they're just, you know, people that are out in public that you don't know one way or the other. It was interesting. I I talked with a um, friend, a a doctor colleague of mine and told him, you know, I'm going to be doing this thing at my church about COVID. And part of what they wanted to know is what are things that, that the medical community would want to tell them or want people to know. And he said, tell them to wear their mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, it is so discouraging when we are working so hard and then you go out and see people who seem like they don't care. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that people that aren't wearing their masks don't care. I'm just saying that we have an opportunity to affect how other people see us, think of us, the compassion that they think that we have, the care that we think we have for others simply by loving somebody enough to wear a mask, um, follow social distancing rules, those kinds of things. So I think that to the degree that we can do that, I I think it does, it is a way to minister to others and certainly to the medical community. Um, Oh, so here's where, here's the other thing, place where I may step on toes. And this is a little bit of an aside, and maybe this will segue into us getting into how I, we came back Mm -hmm. to church. Um, so 
if you are currently attending the service, um, there are, I don't know, you know the numbers better than I do, who, mm-hmm. how many, what the percentage of people in church and out of church right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say it's 50-50. Yeah, pretty close. Uh, so if 50% of the people are are watching the live stream, they are watching on video what happens in the church service and they are making decisions at home based on what they see as to whether or not they feel they would be safe to come back to church. And again, I'm not I'm not advocating for mandate I'm not I'm not advocating for anything in particular other than to say that to the degree that your behavior affects whether or not a brother and sister may return to church or how safe they feel returning to church. That is a way that you can love and be an encouragement to somebody else. And so I just, you know, encourage those who are here at church to think through that and to think, boy, if I if I was more careful, um, would that allow somebody who currently is not attending church to feel more comfortable coming back? And and that's a significant way that we can love others too. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. So do you want me to just go straight into sure, that? Sure, go, <laughs> go right into. So what, what brought you guys back? Then I know that uh, obviously as well with your profession and things, being extra careful there as well with coming back to church and the timing and of all that. But why did you guys just decide to come back when you did? Uh, what was the thought process behind that and that yeah, kind of thing? Good. Well, I um, the first thing I guess would have to be kind of the reasons why we stayed away. Of course, at first everybody stayed away because we did it all online and that mm-hmm. was it. And then slowly the church was able to uh, work to um, make it safe for people to come back. So. The reasons we stayed away were primarily, one, we were trying to adhere to uh, the guidelines of the elected authorities that God had allowed to be in their position and the, and the guidelines that were there initially in regard to group gatherings. Um, we were, I was trying to adhere to the guidelines suggested by my employer, and because that was a healthcare employer, they had some maybe more uh, stricter recommendations and or strong suggestions, guidelines, whatever it might be for mm-hmm. for what we did in in, uh, in group gatherings. Um, you know, decisions related to the safety of my family, also probably more so decisions about the safety of others and what my, what other people's risks were by having close contact with me since I was in in the medical community and coming in closer contact with people who could be or were sick with COVID. Um, and then, you know, the other reason we stayed away was having a reasonable alternative to an in-person model that allowed us to continue to some degree our church involvement, Mm -hmm. even though, um, you know, it wasn't here in person. And, and I'll tell you, I am, I am so thankful. I know it's been mentioned uh, on a few different occasions, but the, the ability that our church has had the, you know, men like Don Burroughs who, before this even started, had yeah. so much set up mm-hmm. so that we were able to move right into that. I mean, that was such a blessing, and, and I'm so thankful to have all of those resources. Um, so then the why we came back, um, well, the first thing is that I want to make clear is that it was a personal decision and not one that I think 
you know, everybody has to be able to make that personal sure. decision on mm -hmm. their own. Um, and just because we did doesn't mean that I think everybody should. Um, but there were multiple factors. One of the biggest ones was that our girls, Jade and Joy, kept saying, when are we going back to church? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, Almeida and I talked about that at length and, and what we did not want to have happen in our family was to reach a point where our girls felt like this was normal. Mm -hmm. That watching church online was just as good or maybe even better than having to go to church. Mm -hmm. um, and we were encouraged by the fact that we saw in them a desire to be at church and to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, and we didn't want that to go away. And, uh, so that was, that was one thing. Um, you know, other things were, you know, we felt like we were missing a part of God's design for the church by missing corporate worship. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be, to, to have still been involved, but, um, there is a part of fellowshipping and being with and living life together with other brothers and sisters in Christ that is a part of God's design for the church, and, and we were missing that. Um, and then lastly, you know, eventually as we talked about it, we said, let's do a test run. Let's just see what happens. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go to church. If it turns out to be a disaster and we think this just wasn't a good idea, then we won't, mm -hmm. we'll just stay home for a while. But if we go and we feel like we were able to stay socially distanced, that we were able to communicate and have effective communications with people, but do it in a way that we felt was safe for them and safe for us, then we would continue. And to this point, we felt like we've been able to do that. So we're, yeah, we're back. All right. Well, we're glad to have you back. And we're thankful to have Matt share with us today for the podcast. And uh, we just are thankful for those who are listening today. So in a future podcast, Matt will share his testimony, and we hope that you'll look forward to listening to that in future weeks. Again, Matt, we thank you for your service to our community through your work in the medical field and your service to our church body. Appreciate having you on, and we appreciate you all listening. Hope you have a great week.